Good evening, everybody. We are with our final Q&A for this month, July the 29th. Another two days, and the month is over. Session 177 says the screen. <laughs> Thank God for adding one more week, one more month to our lives. For all the questions that have come, we continue to pray. Lord, give us the wisdom to answer. Let it be a source of strength, comfort, and blessing to your people, Lord. Father, this evening, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We commit ourselves here, all your people, online, every home, every individual. Strengthen them, comfort them. Yes, the world is going through very rough period, Lord. So many places, different things happening. But Lord, we know, we just don't believe, we know you are sovereign and in absolute control of everything, Lord. That you are shaping the history of your son through all these events. Amen. It's about you, Lord Jesus. So we magnify you even in this hour. And even through the answers, may Christ be magnified and God be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 First, we'll start with question number five. Yes. <clears throat> question number five says, Forgiving our ancestors because we know their sins have brought negative fears in our lives and family. Once they are dead, how do you forgive? What do you do to make sure that does not this does not pass on to your grandchildren or children? In other words, how do we reconcile with people who are dead and gone back? Gone? Again and again, we have to go first back to that fundamental verse in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 17, yeah. Praise God. Okay. This, is, this is the the way God has. There are many ways you can choose, difficult ways, converted ways. This is the easy and the simple way. <laughs> Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay. Now if you go to the book of Exodus, in chapter 20, where it begins. Chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are being given. The law of God is being established. Okay. In verse 4, this is what God says. Okay. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. This is idolatry. Okay. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity. Okay. This is basically what is happening. The visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations. Of those who hate me. You cannot escape this. Okay, fourth generation. But four generations have to walk right for the fifth one to be free. So it's never, you're never going to escape this trap. Mm. So it will be always continuous. So you see the iniquity is traced through the fathers. So there is no way out of it, ultimately. So what does God do? He just changes the father. Okay. That what is salvation? Salvation in this context is to change, change the fatherhood. fatherhood. Exactly. God becomes your father. You are born of the spirit of God. So that is why you need to realize Jesus through Mary is born of the Holy Spirit. He is born without sin or without iniquity. Yes. 
Yes. There's nothing passed down on to him because his father is God. Now when we believe and receive God into our lives, we are born again. Okay, so when we are born again, we are born again. That's what Second Corinthians two seventeen five seventeen is talking about. We have been given an absolutely not a fresh start. It's an absolutely brand new start. There's no iniquity passed down. This is what you have to believe. See, everything happens by faith. This is where the faith comes in. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. He's a new. He's not a reformed being. Mm. That's what religion tries to do. He's not a reformed being. God is not reforming the old man. He's creating a new man. It's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Once you know this truth, going back to the question, it becomes easy to forgive your ancestors, your forefathers. Let's not use the word ancestors. Let's use the word your forefathers. Because you realize, you know what? I can easily forgive them because whatever they did does not have to pass on to me. Now, if you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, this promise is there in the book of Jeremiah, chapter... Uh, 20, uh, 31 and verse 29. Okay. 31, 29, yes. Okay, 31, 29 and 30. In those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Okay. For everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. So God is saying something is going to change. What is that? Your fathers will eat sour grapes and the children's teeth will be set out. Meaning they did something and it's passed on to you. That's not going to happen. Each one will be responsible for their own sins alone. This does not have to be passed on anymore. That is salvation. Okay, That is salvation. That gives you the liberty to actually forgive your forefathers. Okay, There are temporal things. That happens. But even those temporal things, you can break away from that. You can break away from that. Okay, Temporal things, let us say, a child, a father is, let us say, alcoholic. So he wastes away all the inheritance. It's not the child, but the father. Mm. So the child has a hard, hard life. Because what should have been a good life was wasted away. But let us say the child comes to the Lord understands what salvation is. You know what? He can walk away from all that and start life all over again and God can give him a completely different start altogether again. And what his father did doesn't have to touch him at all. Touch it at all. And you have to see it that way. Because forgiveness is otherwise what will happen. This is the question Jesus is constantly asking. This man, uh, and this is a question, uh, disciples. disciples are also asking. When he comes to Bethsaida, he asks them, do you want to be made well? And he's putting the blame on the others. At uh, John chapter 9, he's asking, this man is born blind. Was it his sin or his forefathers? Jesus says, neither. 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 I mean, it can be his sin or it can be his forefather's for sin. But he says, it doesn't matter. God can turn it around for God's glory. Completely. It doesn't matter what is the cause. It does not matter what cause this is not happened. The effect can be changed completely where God is glorified. And you can see in an instant, 
Everything changes. God intervenes and said, go there, wash your eyes. He comes back. He's no longer blind. He's given, I come, imagine a man who's been blind and he's not a young man. He's a much, much, much older person. His life changes completely. It's like, I was blind. I can see. It is not the same life anymore. Anymore. And that's what God is talking about. As long as, otherwise we will always go back and start blaming. Every time we blame our forefathers, the question is, we are questioning the truth of our salvation. We are questioning our fatherhood. We are saying our, our physical father has more effect on my life than my eternal father. Mm. We start questioning our salvation. And the fact is, that is not true. That is not true. And I'm personally speaking. It was very easy one, once I understood the truth about my forefathers, my father, what I saw, and my forefathers, what I have heard. It didn't make any difference to me once I knew the truth. It's very easy to forgive my parents and to love them and Amen. to honor them. It was very easy. Yes. I never had to... The reality is there, yes. If my father did not have these vices, would our life have been different? Materially, yes. But it didn't do any difference to my life. Because once I got saved, my life took a different tangent altogether. Mm. So I look at it and it is easy. Otherwise, we'll always play the blame game. And it becomes an excuse because the question needs to be asked is that there is a man sitting there for 38 years and if you want to make him well, make him well, let him get up and go. Why should he carry his mat? It's a question. Mm. Other than to poke the eyes of the Pharisees because it's a Sabbath day. But the other side is that the mat represents his old life. All the excuses. God says, you have no more excuses. You don't have to. Your father's bit on sour grapes. Your teeth does not have to be on the edge. You can walk free. You can walk free. So if you go back to the question, you know what? You can forgive. can forgive. These fears don't have to follow you. Fears don't have to follow you. you know? Because they are dead. And uh, how do you forgive? You forgive by opening your mouth and say, you know what? I choose. I mean, first... You need to forgive only if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Mm. Okay. Everybody does not have to forgive because a lot of people walk without unforgiveness. Mm. You can, okay. The first thing is that you have to, so it's, it's, it's to open your mouth before God and say, Lord, I choose to forgive my parents. You see, in the old covenant, you will see they're standing before, like if you see whether it is Daniel or whether it is Nehemiah and all of them, you will see them there acknowledging. Okay, if you will see, if you look at Nehemiah in chapter one, yes, they okay, confess you know, their sins and the they sins confess. The okay, if you look at uh, chapter one and uh, verse four, when he prays four onwards, and especially in verse uh, six. Okay, so it was one when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. What is it? He knows it is the sins of their forefathers which has brought the destruction of Jerusalem, the devastation of the land. You can't escape it. They did not obey God. They did not keep His commandments, and now they have been taken into captivity. And the 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 their 
basic status symbol. Jerusalem is lying in ruins. So he says, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servants, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Okay, so he's confessing there. See, he's not he's not holding any unforgiveness against them. He's acknowledging we sinned, our forefathers sinned. That's why we are like this. We are like this. You cannot escape it. These are old covenant people. Mm. These are not new covenant people. They are not born again. So it is passing on. Okay. Their forefathers sinned. You are in captivity, a eunuch, a cupbearer. Okay, you reach there, but the fact still ma'am doesn't change. You are a slave. Mm. You don't have autonomy. You don't have the freedom. You should be living in your... It's it's like this story told about the wolf uh, or the fox which came. It was starving. There was no food in the jungle. He came and he saw this dog. And he looks... The dog is looking really fat and nice. He says, wow, you're looking well fed. He says, yeah, my master is very kind. He feeds me. He says, wow. He says, wow, you got a good master. He says, do you think you're a master? I can also live with you. He says... I guess so. Then the dog stood up and he suddenly saw this leash and this chain. And he says, what's that around your neck? He says, oh, that my master chains me. He says, you are not free? He said, no, I'm not free. He said, you know what? I'll go back to my jungle. Go back. At least I am free. You're well fed and you're a slave. But I am free even if I'm hungry. Yes, amen. Okay? Okay, so you need to understand how it works. We are free. We are free from the sins of our forefathers, from the iniquities of forefathers. In Christ, we are free. And we have to believe we are free. And just choose when feelings of unforgiveness and these things come. Open your mouth and if they are alive, bless them. If they are dead, open your mouth and forgive them. You can't bless them because they're dead and gone, but you can forgive them. Okay, and and. By walking, if you look over there, back to the question, you know, you know, how do you forgive? That's by opening your mouth and choosing to speak it out before God. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. What do you do to make sure this does not pass on to your children and grandchildren? One, you walk in that liberty, always believing and confessing and walking in that liberty. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Second thing, you go to First Corinthians chapter seven. First Corinthians chapter seven. Verse fourteen. Yeah. That is the verse I was Words, to. Uh, fourteen. Yeah. yeah. That's what okay. I was fourteen. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelief. In this case, let us say both of you are believing. Mm-hmm. What has happened? Your children are holy, meaning wow. they are set apart. Not they thank are you, saved. Lord. Thank you, thank you. They are set apart. So you need to believe. You know what? I am saved, wife is saved, our children are set apart. Mm, mm. Positionally, they are set apart. Mm. Then, like what we do, the covenant questions we ask every time, two weeks, week back, we had a baby dedication or a child dedication. What we do is that we pray that our children come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus as early as possible. Lead them to that. So you know what? They also have become a new creation. And there is no more effects. They more. No Thank more you, effects. Lord. 
That's how you work exactly. it out. That's how. See, that's where faith comes in. Faith comes in. That's where faith is important that whenever you're going through a situation, the question is, what are you going to bring into it? Sight or faith? Or faith? So, Pastor, okay. just a small uh, question. I mean, maybe you want to comment on that, mm. even as you're answering this question is, uh, does iniquity also have an effect on on the salvation of our children, meaning when you're saying the iniquity being passed on, uh, does it affect the way that children, our children would receive the, uh, receive the message of the gospel and get saved? I mean, does it have a direct consequence on that? Like when you're talking about, because was, this was, this was the verse which was coming into my mind, because our children are set apart and they are holy, does iniquity have an effect on causing our children receive the gospel and not receive the gospel? No. It's not iniquity that becomes a hurdle. You see, this always happens with the second generation. Okay, when we are talking about second generation, don't take the generation that came out of Egypt as a first generation. Standard, yeah. Okay. okay. Take the generation that went into the promised, promised land as a first generation. Mm. But when you go to the second generation, they fall. Mm. Take David as a first generation. When you come to Solomon, he fails. Fils, yeah. The reason is, it's simply because, you know, and the, the problem is, with the parents, okay. Compared to my children, I had a much more, much, much more tougher and a rougher life. Of course. So automatically what happens is you try to make your life for your children easy, which in itself turns against them in their salvation process. Hmm, that's what salvation process. process. This is what basically what we do because our mind works okay i didn't have that i didn't have that i didn't have that i don't want my children to go through that but you don't realize what you didn't have what you didn't have is what factored you into becoming what you are today yes what you were that is what made you you know all those things worked out actually for your good so what we do consciously unconsciously is we make life very, very easy for our children, which actually becomes a stumbling block for them. Then they have to go on their own. They have to be like the prodigal son, hit their dead end, hmm. then come to their senses and come back. So sometimes I believe we parents, we ourselves are, we plant that seeds of delaying them to coming to the Lord, coming to the Lord. So, what we need to do is, see, there are a lot of issues why children in believing homes uh, struggle to come to the Lord. And I believe one of the things is uh, what God said in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because I believe the most powerful influence in the lives of their children right. is not the word of God. It's the life of the parents. It's the parents. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. the parents. Mm-hmm. The, the children will know very easily whether the parents really love God yeah, or yes, not. sold out to God or not. Yes, they exactly. are not. Exactly. They will not. Exactly. Mm. And if they don't, if one parent is not, they will follow that one. Mm. Because flesh is like a river. It will always flow where there is least resistance. They will go with that one. That's how it works. Otherwise, why should Samuel's children be rebels? Because the wife is. Why should David's children be rebels? Because the wives are. 
Why is Moses' children rebels? Because the Zipporah, wife is. Zipporah, Zipporah. <laughs> you look at incredible examples of mm. men, godly men. Why are Jacob's ten children rebels? Because the wives are. Now, in the other case, why is Samuel an incredible man of God? Because, because the mother, mother is. Sold out to God, so yeah. it is not that the man is at fault or the wife alone is fault. Sometimes it is the other way around. The man is. But it's okay. He leaves it alone and gives the child to the mother. And the mother is the only influence on the child. Like I always say, the best thing a kid can have is two godly, powerful parents. The second best the child can have is one godly parent and the other stays out of the picture. Stay out of the picture. Don't. Influence. Don't influence. Stay out of the picture. Let only one influence. Because the child... Cannot listen to two voices. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially if the voices are contradictory. Mm-hmm. They are complementary, it is fine. Mm-hmm. Contradictory voices, a child will be confused. Like we have a case in our, in our church. I'm not mentioning it, but you know, that dear sister brought up her children on her own. The father just disappeared from their lives. But you know what? Children turned out very well. Because there was only one voice. Because our house, our church is famous <laughs> uh, for orphans and single parents. But wherever both are there in the child's life, you will see there is always confusion. And it doesn't matter whether it is a father or the mother. We have all cases in our church. Whoever is worldly, the children go with the worldly one. Because that's the child. The child is not, it's only positionally holy. It is not functionally holy. Mm. The child is flesh. It is not saved. It is not saved. And flesh will go with flesh. Because it's easy. It is easy. Mm. So always I feel in homes the issue is with the with the parents. It is not with the children. The issue is with parents. And in these parents what happens is the parents have to first and foremost uh, have their own value system. Value system. If you go to some 127 and read verse 3. 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It's a fundamental verse. What does it mean? The parents need to realize the most valuable gift God has given to me in my life are my children. There's nothing more valuable than that in my home. It's not my money. It's not my career. It's not my work. It is nothing most valuable thing God has given to me because it is from him. It's a heritage. We know heritage structures in the city, how their value changes, how there is protection, how there is funding for them all because it's called a heritage structure. Mm. So we have many railway stations in Hyderabad. One is a heritage station, Kachikuda. We have many churches in Hyderabad. One is a heritage church because Queen Victoria or somebody was supposed to have come there. So it's status changes. But this is a worldly status. This is a heavenly status. Children are a heritage from the Lord. So that's how you have to look at it. And therefore, once a child comes, this is why first thing, we had a marriage 10 days back. And in that marriage, wow, Pastor Vijay will always say, you know, enter into it discreetly, reverentially, with the fear of God. With the fear of God. Meaning, count the cost. Marriage. Otherwise, walk single. Don't get married. Don't get married. Walk single. Because you have to be willing to pay the price to be yoked to another person. It's a price you have to. You, if you're a man, you have to be willing to lay down your life. If you're a woman, you have to be willing to submit in all things. Otherwise, don't get married. Mm. 
secular Hindu, we are not talking, we are not talking about a Christian marriage. First, count the cost. Two, second, once you're married, count the cost of having a child. Yes. Because remember, whose child it is? It's not your, your child. child. It's yeah. not your child. It's God's child. Mm. God's child. And if you don't have that, don't have it. We are talking to young people. Remember, evening I was talking to two young kids. I was telling them, no, it's very clear. If you go through the Bible, it's very, very systematic from Genesis 1 onwards to Revelation 22. Very, very systematic in Genesis 2. After he has created everything, he tells man, you can eat all these things. Don't eat many. You can do so many things. Don't do certain things. By the time you come to Revelation 22, all those things, people who did things they should not do are outside. And all those things who did are inside. That's how logically it ends. It's very simple. <laughs> God does not complicate life. God's ways are very, 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 very simple. So you need to ask first. You know, first need to ask. Do, am I willing to pay the price to get married? Are you willing? Because Christ showed them. Because in both cases, you need to realize the paradigm is Christ. The paradigm is not the world. So we need to ask God. Hmm. I don't want to get married until I'm willing to pay the price. Okay. Then once your price, you look at what children and how God goes through the Bible about children, 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 children. Israel is my firstborn. Go tell the Pharaoh to let him go. What he puts Egypt through for his child's sake. How he values and then the instructions given about children when you sit, when you walk, when you stand, when you lie down. Because these are the children you bore unto me. You look at that and you realize, Lord, if I'm going to be a father, there's a cost. Lord, help me to understand what you value. Our value system has to change. Completely radically change. Mm. Have to change. And then you will realize, you know what? God honors it. Mm. God honors it. And that's how it works it out. This is what salvation is. It's a completely new creation, new sets of values, new life. Everything is new. That's why for me, Second Corinthians 5.17, it's a very powerful verse. If any man, woman or child, two children, teenage kids were there with me and I was telling them, okay, you are teenage kids, it doesn't matter. You know Christ, yes. Everything is new for you. Doesn't matter what home you come from. Doesn't matter what you have come through. Doesn't matter what you have seen. Stop it. You are a new creation. There's one command given to children. What is that? Obey. Honor. Honor and obey. And obey. Don't go there. Never, ever, we heard about, never, ever judge your parents. Mm. Just honor. And if you judge your parents, you know what? I said, I showed them from Genesis 37. I said, God skipped over 10 children and went to the 11th one. Only one son honored his father. He skipped all 10. These fundamental Mm. principles in the kingdom of God, receive it by faith. There is nothing the enemy can do. The enemy can sell you as a slave, put you in prison. God will just raise you up once his purpose is finished. There's nothing the enemy can do because you're going through the principles on which the kingdom of God is Founded. Founded. That's how it works. Mm. So that is where faith, no, faith is so powerful, so very powerful because it is tapping into how God's kingdom works, the principles, and also into the power. And the third thing, the presence of God. So Joseph is a slave, 
the Bible says he's tapping into the principle, into the power, and the third thing, God is with him. He has all three, the principle, the power, because everything he's doing is prospering, so the power is there. And his master notices this Hebrew young boy, what's special about him? Then he sees, looks at the way he does his things, see how it prospers, and then he realizes there's something about him. He's got a different presence. He's got something about him. And he walks around. There is something different about him. There's a presence about him. God is with him. This God is with him. Amen. Amen. You know? And Thank so that is God. simple. And he's mm. just a 17-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to forget your past. It is, it's not there. Don't forgive your parents. Don't blame them. Don't get into that blame game. Nothing. Nothing. It's okay. So, Pastor, having said that, then how do we actually reconcile the fact that we do have an iniquity which is passed on and it's a part of our old man. It is there. And See, if you, I kill, mind, I if you kill the old man, the yeah. iniquity is dead. Exactly. So The, the, the iniquity the, comes in only when you, the, you bring mm, so every morning. The challenge is to get reckon up and yourself, die. Reckon yourself. Reckon yourself dead. Mm. The old man is alive. Iniquity is alive. All the pressure is alive. <laughs> All the influences are alive. The old man is dead. What can he do? All the influences are dead. The iniquity doesn't work anymore. So the challenge every day, is that is what your baptism means, mm. right? Sammy got married on 10th of, uh, 10 days back, Wednesday the 19th. What is that? Every day when he wakes up in the morning, he doesn't realize. He wakes up like a bachelor and realizes, no, I am married. <laughs> I am married. He can't act like a bachelor. He can get out and act like a bachelor. <laughs> but it's a fact remains. But the problem is the fact remains he's married. <laughs> okay. So you have to wake up in the morning and reckon yourself dead. It's a choice you have to make. Some days you may fail. Some days you may succeed. But it does not matter. Even if you fail, the fact still remains. You have to Get up and and still reckon yourself dead. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. You still have to get up and say, tomorrow, it's another day, another battle. And if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. Mm -hmm. And I have to wake up for another day and continue that battle. And the more you try and you succeed in the spirit, you will realize the battle becomes easier Easier. and easier and easier and easier. Mm. That's how it is. So you don't have to pass it on to your children. But is the best thing you need to do is to bring them to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus as early as possible. And what they see is basically all our children are imitating now. They are imitating. But some of them have genuinely accepted Christ. Mm. Have accepted Christ. And let them grow that way. Mm. Get them. But home matters. Home Amen. is the most powerful influence. Negative and positive. Or positive. Positive or negative, it's very, they will see. Either they will see the kingdom or they will see the world. Pastor, another question. I mean, because you're talking about children uh, being given an easy life or they've not been tested, etc. So how we as parents practically ensure that our children don't have an easy life? Meaning, what are the what are the what are the steps that we might take as we can take as parents to ensure that there's a discipline, they value things, and they value the family, they value money, they value hard work, they value discipline, and and they and, and they are prepared for any eventuality in the sense that you know when they have to face tough challenges ahead in their lives, how how does it how do we prepare them for that? Ecclesiastic three. No, Lamentations 3... 27. 27, right? 
lamentation after Jeremiah. It's a, it's good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Okay. Okay, now, if you, if you know about animals, okay, animals, when the horse is young, it start, when they start breaking it, you can't get an older horse from mm. the uh, jungle or the forest or wherever it is and then try to break it. It becomes difficult. That's why it says it's difficult to teach an old dog new tricks. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yes. So even to the young people, I was, the young ones were there, I was telling them, this is the age. Because your mind is like that. There's an age where the mind is more technical and more mechanical. Most of the things which we actually have to do are technical things, like driving is a technical thing. One who knows driving, you can wake him from the sleep, he will still get in and drive. You don't have to think about it. Playing guitar is a technical so, thing. Mm, mm, mm. Right? Mm. Cooking is a technical, technical thing. thing yes. <laughs> Most of the things which you do, washing, sweeping, swabbing, you know, bathing, mechanical. All yeah, these things are Mechanical things. So yes. Some of them are a little more difficult. Like driving, learning to drive is a little more difficult. Learning a guitar or a guitar. Like but they're all basically mechanical things. Yes. And you can become better than others if you practice more. But they're all mechanical things. But these things have to be done when you're young. Mm, absolutely. The older you get, it'll become easy. It'll work very, very difficult. And in fact, if you, yeah. if you learn to do it when you're young, it becomes easier. Easier, when you, when you're that older. automatically it's because can, it's there. It's, it's 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 there okay? mm. So, mm. in the young days, a lot of things have to be done. Yes, okay, mm. have to be done. So, these things are done when you are young, when you are young. That is what it talks about a yoke. Mm. One thing about the yoke is that then coming to things connected with the world. When you are young, don't give your children too many clothes. Mm. Okay. Not too many toys. Mm. No. They have to learn to manage with, with a little more than minimum. Amen. They have to learn. You know what you're teaching them? You're teaching them self-control. You're teaching them you're not in a race, rat race with the world. And uh, you're teaching them stewardship. So that later, if they become very wealthy and they have so many things, it doesn't matter, matter. to them. It doesn't matter to them. Because I've learned but if you listen. spoil them early, then they will be spoiled through their life. Mm. Spoiled through their life. Mm. Okay. So a lot of parents, if you look at it, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've, I know from experience because parents work on guilt, and children will pile on it. Okay. <laughs> because uh, because they don't actually. See spend time with the children, they try to replace that with toys. Mm. Okay? So ultimately, things replace people. Mm. Okay? When God says, do not love the world and the things, things of, the world. of the world, what do we do? We use things to replace your own absence. Wow. Which is a very dangerous thing, okay? Because if you look at over there, the children of Israel, if you if you go to God's instruction in Deuteronomy chapter 6, okay, over there, okay, and words, four onwards, okay, hero Israel, 
the Lord our God is one. Meaning there is no contradiction among them. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your, all your strength. Now chapter 5, verse 5 is talk to the parents, mm. primarily to the father, to the parents. Then these words which I command you today shall be in your, your heart, heart, not in your head. Mm-hmm. In your heart. There's a difference between something in your head mm. and something in your heart. When it's in your head, you speak it out. When it's in your heart, it comes to you naturally. You live it out. Automatically, naturally it comes. Okay, honestly telling, you know. We all talk about uh, after the Bharat Joda Yatra, there's a whole set of Indian population who is fascinated by Rahul. It's because it looks natural. Yes, it's natural. Every time it's interacting with any strata of the society, society. there's nothing seems to be put on. Mm-hmm. It comes across to him naturally. Absolutely. I, I believe that that journey of 3,000 miles has transformed him as a human being yep. too. Because he's seen in close quarters what this nation is going through, the people are going through. He's not, there is no other politician like he's him. Not in this from his head. He's not speaking from his head. Okay. Yeah. And the same was the CM of Kerala who died. And that's why the masses of people, it took 48 hours for his dead body to reach his hometown because everywhere people were in the rain standing to bid farewell to his body because he was a very simple man. Simple man. So these things matter. These things, it's not a put on thing. So God is saying, these things, words which I say to you, mm. let it be in your heart. Yeah. Okay, let it be free. not in your head. Let it be. It's it's you. It's that's who you who are. are. This is who you are. Then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and you rise up. If you look at this, no, that's enough. If you look at these four things, that's your sum total of your day. Hmm. So basically, God is saying, you're living it out. Literally, you're literally living it out. Mm-hmm. The way you do things, they look at it and say, you know what? Uh, Dad loves God. Mom loves God. Like, you know, we talk about Susanna Wesley, you know, small little house, 18 children, praying mother. No place to pray, but when she puts an apron on her head, the children are all tiptoeing because they say, Mama is speaking to God. Mm. Nobody will disturb. All she had to do was put her apron on her face because she doesn't have a place to, she doesn't have a prayer closet. A prayer closet is apron over her head and the children know because they have seen this is consistent with their mother. It's not one time, two times. All they have seen is that Mom is, after that they realize. This is what God is talking about. So we have pictures in the Bible, pictures in human history, Christian history. We have this. This is what God is talking about. This is what God is talking about. He says, let it be your lifestyle and ask God. So when you see Jesus, you look at Jesus. Every time he saw the crowds, he was compassionate. So that is who he is. He's a compassionate man. Mm-hmm. There's no put on. There's no, nothing put on. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, he says, that's who he is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is what we have to become. What do we have to become? Okay. So this is what God is talking about. Paul is speaking in uh, no Philippians uh, two twelve or three twelve. He says, "Work out your salvation in your in the presence of presence and, and absence. Much says, more just." Just one life. Mm. That's who you are. A lot of people are very spiritual tomorrow. <laughs> They'll be very spiritual tomorrow. Mm. And it, it it and some of them have become very good actors. 
they can do it consistently every sunday consistently every sunday but deep inside you know it is just an act because the rest of the week you are you are not acting it out so god says i don't want actors there are no actors in heaven and i understand but you come ask for forgiveness i'll forgive you try be real be real be real be real and that is what you will see right john the apostle if you look at him he was extremely short tempered called sons of thunder he wanted to call fire from above he wanted to kill the people in samaria he was extremely what do you call ambitious mm. because he wanted a side right. on the left or right <laughs> how did this man change by the time you come to the epistles and the book of revelation extremely kind loving, loving patient brother in tribulation so people can change apostle of love no mm. everybody can change that's that is transformation mm. salvation is a process by which we are being transformed oh lord get transformed and another thing you need to realize is that you know once you have repented and asked for forgive god for forgiveness you have to believe you are forgiven and after that forget it mm. lot of people are living in yesterday's guilt which god has forgotten mm. okay first like you know asking god for forgiveness asking the other for forgiveness and you have to learn to forgive yourself and move on Mm, absolutely a lot of people say i can never forgive myself okay live in that right <laughs> you will live in that right god has forgiven you mm. god has forgiven you because when he said lord i'm sorry have mercy god has forgiven and he's forgotten but you have to walk in that you have to walk in that okay otherwise you will live pile up yesterday's guilt which is not actually there this is how the enemy just keeps people without moving forward how will you walk how will you go move forward if all the backlog of yesterday is like a exam backlog has not been cleared but god said you have passed <laughs> you have passed you have cleared i am not holding it against you why are you holding it against yourself these are all things that is where i have forgiven my my father i have forgiven my father i have forgiven my mother but in the first place the thing is that i didn't have to forgive my father and mother the reason is because i did not look at them having determining my future once i got saved and understood the fundamental oh. principles i looked and said you know what they don't influence me you don't yeah. determine my future, future. because my future is determined by god and me amen that's it so i am not going to hold anything against you mm. i'm not saying you fall it down and take any difference to me i don't expect you to leave anything for me what you gave to me i'm very grateful you amen. gave me an education amen amen like amen even amen, today amen. i'm using what you gave to me that's uh, all you yeah. gave yes. i needed no i don't need anything so, else mm. okay mm. i didn't expect you to leave me a big bank account and all i don't think no <laughs> issues okay okay you drank most of it away i have no issues with it that's that's a choice you made, made yes. but i did not make that choice that i'm going to drink i made that choice i looked at it and said i'm not going to drink that's a choice i'm not i'm going to make. i made my choice yes. okay so when i had a choice to make i made that choice even before i became a believer i made it i'm i'm not going that way because i saw the damage it did mm. i saw the violence in my home before i became a believer i decided if i ever get married you know what i will not be violent that's a choice i make because i saw the damage it created so you can make you god has given us a mind god has given us reason you can make reasonable choices it is very easy for us to know what is right and what is wrong you made those choices 
you made the choice. When you came to Christ, you realized your whole past has been taken out. Iniquity, everything has been taken out. Hallelujah. It's been taken out. You have to believe. It is mm. my fatherhood has changed. My fatherhood has changed. My fatherhood has changed. God is my father. All things have passed away. Mm. All things are new. I will not let the past of my forefathers. Because you do not even want to know no. what your forefathers did. You don't know how many of them were involved in child sacrifice or whatever sacrifice. You don't know what the forefathers were. Four generations, five generations, six generations, all idolaters for success, prosperity, killing left, right. And you know, the Aztec civilization, the people talk great about in uh, South America and uh, in uh, Mexico and all the Aztecs. Every year they had to sacrifice 20,000 people to appease their gods. 20,000, that's a rough estimate. This excavations are proved it. History has proved it. That is the way ancient civilizations all around the world. You cannot find an, a single civilization in the world where human sacrifice was in there, blood sacrifice was in there. How did they know? Because they knew without the shedding of blood. There cannot be remission of sins. There cannot be remission of sins. It's a consciousness in the consciousness, yes. Yes, okay. yes. Without this, these mm-hmm. things which we need to realize. So you know what? The devil took that consciousness mm-hmm. and turned it around and said, you know what? For anything you want to prosper, you need mm-hmm. to shed blood. He will take something that is true power. So you don't want to know what your forefathers did. You don't even want to know what they did. I don't want to know what my forefathers did. Mm. Want to don't know. You know, so the simple thing is that the easy way God has shown you what I will do and I change your fatherhood. Yes, God. Then you look at and you focus on that father and you realize, wow, <laughs> this is who my father is. Mm. Holy, pure, righteous, loves in light, full of love. This is who he is. And if you Thank can you be Lord. proud of your father. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father. This father. is what my father. Yes. This is my father. And then you know what? And you tell Lord, this is my father. Lord, help me to be a mm. true son. Like father, like son. Mm. So that when my children ultimately see, they will see. That's why the prodigal son comes back. His paradigm is his father. Mm. Remember, his paradigm is his father. In my father's house. That's his paradigm. And he's thinking about the kindness, the compassion, and the care of his father, even to the hired servants. Hired servants. Okay, hired servants are the lowest strata of a Jewish society. Daily wage workers. No, when we drive down in the early morning, when you drive down from Bonpalli Road or one place, you will see a lot of people. Next, another side, you will see a lot. Who are those? Daily. There are there are daily wage workers. Daily who live daily. So you see so many of them. Ten days rain, their life was affected wow. because they don't get a salary. They have to earn. So they are the weakest of the society. The weakest in the society are the daily wage earners. Earners. And his reference point is that, you know, how my dad deals with them. Deals with them. That's where we have to be. Remember, our children are always walking. Always watching. Our children are always watching how you deal with people. How we deal with people. Okay? And that's why sinners flocked around Jesus. The most righteous man who ever walked on earth. Why would sinners flock around him? 
The last thing a sinner wants to do is to run away from a righteous man. <laughs> But they are flogging around him because when they look at him, it's the way he deals with them. The way he deals with them. He's always kind, always compassionate, without ever bending from the truth. And, they look. and that's what we have to ask. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me because you are my father. Because we have a mother. And Jesus walked on earth in the flesh to show us what the father is like. So we have a divine unseen model. We have an earthly human model. The human model is Jesus. He says, if you have, show us the father, he says, if you have seen me, You have seen the Father. He's not talking about the image of spirit. He's talking about the character, the person. He says, I am just like the Father. Okay? That's why he was in the bosom of the Father, came to reveal the Father to us. So we are talking about it. And that should be our prayer. And that way our children will come to, to, so what I have seen, even in ministry, what I have seen in ministry is that First generation and second generation. We have many, many, many pastors, even in India, where their fathers and the fathers are still there. The children are there. The children are kind of taken over or the father will run a Telugu church. The son takes the English church or a Malayalam church. The son takes the English or Tamil church. And you will see the son's church is sometimes much bigger than the father's. But you listen to him and you listen to the father, it's not the same. Even if it's the same text, it is not the same. The reason is the son has never gone through what the father has gone through. The father was a pioneer. The son was just building on what the father built, but he has not gone through what his father has gone through. And you can see the difference anywhere. Baptist, Pentecostal, charismatic, anywhere you can see the difference. But it doesn't have to be that. Doesn't have to be that. Doesn't have to be that. No? That's where we need to, the way we have to realize. And sometimes what happens is, you know what? There are cases where the son said, I won't do nothing with your faith. And he walks away. Then he comes back 20 years late, like the prodigal son. Let me tell you. If the prodigal son had started a church, the church would have been like his father's church. Because mm. he understood and valued everything his father valued from experience. The elder son's church would have been different. His prodigal son's church would have been different. So sometimes our children going that way and coming back have learning the heart lesson. It's not a bad thing. Now their father's God has become their God. Experientially they know. Mm. The same God who led me through all my father through. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, but now it has become my own experience. Like Jacob, the blessings of yeah. my father's father, and father experience. Father. You know? That's mm. why Isaac is a very good character. But if you look, he's a very protected character. Mm. He never went through. His father went through, his son went through, but he never went through anything. Mm. So he just falls apart in his old age. Mm. But the son has mm. gone through what his grandfather has gone mm. through. Mm. He knows what the it struggle. is. The mm. struggles, he knows it. So he comes across mm. and he looks. Like I said, I was telling the young people, the mom and the two young kids in the evening, I said, you know what? For everybody, God has his paradigms there. Okay? For those of you who come to the Lord young, it's a blessed thing. Look at Joseph. Look at Daniel. Look at David. These are, look, this should be your models. 
when you are young. Okay. But those of you who came to the Lord much older and goofed up and messed up, look to Jacob. That's your paradigm. The man who goofed up and encountered God at the age of 60 or more and then ends up so well. So God says, I have children who have come to me at different stages of life. For all of them, I have put paradigms over there because my intention as a father is all, all of, of you, you finish well. Oh, well. Yeah, I welcome. Finish yep. well. It's not how you start. Yes, a good absolutely. start is fantastic. But what about most of the people who never had a good no, start? Yes. So finish well. I have paradigms put there in the Bible of those who finished well. Or who started well and goofed up and then finished well. That's David. Yeah. All paradigms are there mm. in the Bible. Everything is there in the Bible. And you look at them and you look at the heart of God and says, you know what? God is actually for mm. me. Mm. He's not against me. He's for me. He wants me to finish well. That's how you have to look at it. Yeah, well. you know? And that's how you look at your children. But learn. Hallelujah. Learn. Thank you, Lord. You know? And God should be the center. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. That's very important. We have to go before God and say, Lord, this pattern I am putting looks very good. <laughs> but please let me know. When it goes from me to the please. other person, how will he receive it? As it of yours? Or will it imprint in his mind as something that is of the world? Help me, Lord. Because we have to be very, very... Because like I said, no... Every word, every virtue, you know, we talk about virtue, every virtue, you take God out, it is there in the world. You tell me one virtue, which yep. is not there in the world. Yep, yep, yep. Righteousness. Love. In the world. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Loyalty. Everything yes. is there. In the mafia, you will find all these virtues. Kya baat hai, kya baat hai. Everything. You know the mafia, you refer mafia member, they expect you to be righteous towards them and unrighteous towards the world. <laughs> But righteousness is a virtue that you step outside of righteousness within the mafia circle, they will kill you and make you an example. Loyalty, they expect 100%. Never lie to the, lie to the mafia boss. They want 100% honesty. Everything. They want your total devotion. So all this virtue, that is why virtue is not put across first. To faith, add virtue. virtue. Yes. You take faith out, everything else is there. So it doesn't work that way. That is where you need to be very, very careful. We are not inculcating dangerously, unconsciously values into our children without God. Mm. The same values is appreciated in the world. Mm. That is why when every dispensation changed, the king looked around and picked da Daniel. Not mm. because of Daniel's God, because he had those virtues. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Not because of Daniel's God. Mm. They looked and said, you know what, this man is honest, this man is loyal, this mm. man is hardworking, this man is righteous. So put him into our dispensation. They were not picking Daniel because of Daniel's God. Mm. They were picking Daniel because he was useful for them. So be very, very careful that our children don't detach these virtues from God. From God. It is God first. Amen. To faith add these things. So you need to always ask this question. The question we need to always mm. ask is this. Why am I doing this? Mm. Why am I doing this? No? Why am I doing that? That's where the person comes. Okay? Otherwise, if you were to ask, 
That's how the book of Daniel is entire revolves around now. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the meats on the king's table. The question is, why are you doing this? Or who are you doing this? My God. Mm. My God. For my God. My God. It's for my God. Okay. That is where it comes. If you take God out of the picture, oh. everything falls apart. That is the wheel within the wheel. wheel. The wheel? The Bullockart? That is the wheel. This is the wheel that is holding everything together. He's the wheel behind the wheel. Don't look at the big wheel and the spokes. There's mm. a wheel, smaller wheel over there. That is the wheel that is holding everything together. Ezekiel sees that the wheel behind, within the wheel. That is God. That is where we have to be very, 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 very careful. Okay. All these things, be very careful about it. And I'm telling you, okay, because we have this question asked by a parent about it. three generations are there or more. Let's say, forefather, so one generation, you and your child. You need to realize one thing, okay? There are stages, if you read 1 John, you will see there are stages, three stages are put, children, youth, fathers, okay? No person in our homes should miss any of these stages. Mm. Any of these stages, okay? Jesus was a child, and he grew as a child and he became a young man. He grew as a young man by the time he's 30. He's practically a father to many. You have to go through these stages. A lot of children, what has happened is uh, they don't have a childhood. They suddenly grow. Mm. Suddenly because of situations or never were allowed to be a child. Child, childhood is the best part of your life. You know, that's when you have lots of fun, lots of games, lots of enjoys, innocence, times of innocence and all. If you skip that, suddenly you become a youth. Or you skip that and you become a father. You know what? You become a father. With having skipped this, you will be never be able to relate to children. Because you don't have it in you. You will never be able to relate to young people. Because you do not have it in you. So you become a misfit. <coughs> Jesus is able. See, the disciples don't have it. So they said, oh, these children are a trouble. Jesus <laughs> said, bring them to me. Bring them. They are not a burden to him at all. You know why? Because he grew up as a child. Okay, John is a very young teenager. Okay, He's not a burden. He leans on Jesus and Jesus holds him. The one who leaned on his breast is the one who's sitting on the right and leaning. He's very close to him because you treated him as a kid in the block. In his twelve, he's the kid. So he's able to relate to children, he's able to relate to young, young he's people. able to the old. He's able to relate because he's gone through these stages. Now what's happening is our children are not going through those stages. Because we have made education the idol. They're not going through that stages at all. Their childhood is being robbed. They have no childhood. Narayana's, what is Chaitanya, Narayana, Chaitanya, Narayana, Chaitanya, Narayana, Chaitanya. You know what? They're all growing up to be misfits as fathers and mothers. And they will destroy their families when they grow up. Because they don't know how to relate when the babies come. When the children, they don't know how to relate. Because it's never been part of their experience. Hmm. When the children became uh, youth and they are struggling with so many issues, they have no patience to handle at all because they never went through that themselves. This is the issue with modern parenthood. They don't know. They just throw up their hands. They give up. Because they don't know how to do what. They don't know because they never went through those stages themselves. Because this is the danger. 
But we were lucky. We were blessed. We went through those stages. We were given that freedom. Grow in your, there's no pressure on you. Grow. This is the age you should be having these things. Grow. Enjoy your childhood. Enjoy your youth. You could also know when you have children, you are able to relate to them because you have that experience in your life. <coughs> that is why Jesus, that one word is written. Jesus grew. It's a process. He grew as a child. Mm. He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom. He favored with God. He grew. He knew what it was. So God has put these paradigms before us. But a lot of families, either because of some unfortunate eventuality <coughs> that was robbed from them, no, or uh, because of a divorce or a death or something that's been robbed of them, or the pressure the world brings, the pressure the world brings. There's so much pressure. And the pressure, and I was talking to the children this evening, and I always talk to children. I said, first, you need to understand. I said, you know what? Do you believe Matthew 6.33? Thank you, first. Do you believe Matthew 6.33? And the second part of Matthew, if I do this, God will do this. What is that? All these things. What are these? All these things. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Provisions. That God will take care of it. So you have to ask yourself this thing. Is your degree going to provide for you or God is going to provide for Amen. you? Amen. Hmm. You have to first look at Because in this world, education is big. You have to be educated. You need education. But education is just a tool. Just a tool. And I told them, Pastor Vijay, said engineer. I was in literature. Neither of us are doing what we are trained for. But our experiences count. He worked hard. I worked hard. He read. I read. So it does not matter what you read. Do you read? Mm. Is the question. That's a skill. That's a skill. That's a skill. Because the Bible is neither literature, though there is literature in there, nor is it engineering. Mm. But the thing is that, do you have the habit to read? Do it a habit to sit down and work. This you can get in any field. Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So your, your field does not matter because God has an appointed field for you. The two ones were girls. And I said, do you know something? Some story? I said, I'll tell you a story about Billy Graham and his daughters were small. They were all playing with daddy and daddy one day looked at them and said, honey, he looked at them, sweethearts, do you know the man you will grow up to marry one day is alive somewhere in the world. And they laughed at him. Daddy, you're joking. He said, it's true. They're there somewhere. Are you praying? Are you praying for him? Are you praying that God will change you in such a way that you will fit into that man's life? Are you praying? Let's have a prayer now. Got them together and prayed. And the same thing I told them. Because these are fears, especially of girls. Provision. Marriage. I said, you kids are believers, right? Yes. Do you know if Jesus studies to come, the man you have to marry is alive somewhere walking? I said, I will show you scripture, I said. Because it has to be sanctified by scripture, I said. Turn with me. I said, to the Genesis. book of Genesis. Everything is there in the beginning, right? Okay. Go to the book of Genesis. Okay. I said, chapter 24. Okay. And I said, come to verse 62. 
Okay, 62, 63, 64. Now, Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahai Roy. Okay, for he dwelt in the south. What is that? Laroi means what? The God who, who sees. sees. The living God who sees. The mm. living God who sees. Mm. And what is he doing? He went out to? What is he meditating on? For his wife. For his wife. Yeah, <laughs> Lord, you, I haven't seen a girl. But you have a girl for me. Eliezer has been gone for a long, long while. And I'm still trusting you, Lord, that you have the girl you have for me. Is on the way. He went to meditate and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were looking. Look at verse 64. And Rebecca lifted her eyes and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. The question is, why is she dismounting? Because she, she has seen so many men on the road. It's a spiritual connection. They haven't seen each other, but they have been prepared in the spirit for this occasion. I told the young girls, that's exactly should be your life. You don't have to make the mistakes or the assumptions we made. You are blessed. You know the Lord early. Pray. Seek the Lord. You have to believe the God of Isaac, the God of Rebecca is your father. You have to believe. You know what? Fear goes. What should I do? What should I do? Who will I? All those fears are gone. If he tarries to come, you have to believe every step. It's been ordered by my father. To come to know the Lord early in life is the greatest blessing you can have in this life. You know, come early. Don't fear. Do the things which God has told you to do. It will all fall into place. And work hard. I said, work hard. Be fit. I said, be fit. Okay, Rebecca was from a very wealthy family, but she was fit as a fiddle. You know what? She could draw water for 12 camels. And all the soul, she was fit. As I said, in these last days, if the Lord tarries to come, you need physically strong and emotionally and mentally extremely strong people who can handle pressure. Otherwise, you'll not come through. So be prepared. That is a process through which you kids have to go through because I do believe God is raising up a generation that will be the best in all time because they are going to face the worst in all time. A time like God has said never before. If God did not shorten those days, even the elect. So if you believe, you want to come in your generation, prepare. That is how faith does prepare. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally prepare. And you know what? You don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear anything. Only one thing. Him alone I saw. Man. So it didn't matter whether he was in Jacob's house whether he was in 41st house, in prison, or palace, he served only his God. Joseph had only one God, a master, that was God. And you have to, he's learning the process. In the process, learn. You have to learn so many things. You have to learn everything. I said, you are girls. I said, learn to cook. Cook well. Cook fast. Cook big meals, small meals. You have to learn all these things. Because your desire as a girl should be, Lord, if it is your will, let me marry a servant of God so that I can serve you with him. That should be your desire. Not a doctor, not an engineer. No, no, a servant of God because that is the greatest title you can get. Life will be very difficult, but what does he need? He needs a girl who can cook and serve and do all these things. Keep your mind that way. God will bless you.
Got it. Because that was the test that was given to Rebecca. I will ask her, give me water and she will draw. It's a serving heart. I said, don't back conform to the pattern of the world. You do that, you are gone. You won't survive. Pattern of the world. There are two patterns. And both patterns want virtues. But you need to ask, virtue for whom? For whom? Virtue for whom? For the world? Or God? Get this very, very clear. And mm. Surrender yourself. And you look at, all Billy Graham's children are in ministry. They're all in ministry. The girl, his daughter, spoke so powerfully many, many years ago in the UN. Such powerfully. They're powerful. But you know what? They saw that at home. Just clearly guided at home. This is where you go. No contradiction in the home. So if there is no contradiction in the home and they know the parents are sold out for God and that home is a home where God is the center, the children, even if they struggle a little, they will all revert back. Because they have a paradigm in their heads carried with them and it's a living paradigm. These are not words. That is what God was telling the fathers in Deuteronomy says. When you walk, when you sit, when you're on the road, when you're standing up, this should be a paradigm. What is that? The Lord thy God is one. There is no contradiction yes. in him. Two, love him with all your heart, yes. all your soul, all your strength. Mm. So God has made it very The gospel is very, very simple. It's not a complicated at all. It's a very simple gospel. Very simple. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it is consistent. Mm. And we don't have to blame our fathers and forefathers. We don't. We just thank them. Mm. Thank you. One thing you did, you gave me life. And now I have eternal life. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Who am I? I told them one thing. One thing you never, ever do. Never, ever judge your parents. It's not your job. Don't judge authority. Don't do that. Walk away. Never, ever do that. If you're upset, pray. Don't judge. You will do well in life because ten sons judge their father. One did mm -hmm. not. God just skip through. It's very beautiful how it is written in Genesis. This is, generation of this is the generation or genealogy. The new NIV will say or generation of Jacob. Joseph. And Joseph. Mm. How can you miss? How can you skip over your first ten sons? Mm -hmm. Because they dishonored their father. So God doesn't even consider them as his generation, though they are his generations. But when he's writing spiritual history, he skips over 10 and goes to the 11th one and talks about Joseph. And immediately will say Joseph is jealous for his father's name. Mm -hmm. Jealous for his father's name. That's how it works. So you don't have to worry. Just put your children on the right track. Uh, Pastor, another question, I think uh, because you're talking about emotionally strong mm -hmm. and physically strong people, this, I think there's a follow-up question. Question number six. It says, um, another thing we often hear during the process of your ministration is give your emotions over to God. Ask God to bring your emotions to the surface. How do we do that? How do we handle that when, our, when your emotions are brought to the surface? See, this is basically, we need to understand we are living in a world where children, people have come through so much abuse. So much abuse. Okay, that's why the sound of freedom is causing ripples mm. and the entire mainstream media is mocking it because they are all part of the abuse. 
you don't know, Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy and uh, President Trump did, of course, in his resort. But from Speaker McCarthy, as the Speaker, had a public uh, this thing in the Congress for everybody, all the representatives of the Congress. He had uh, he screened Sound of Freedom. Every Democrat boycotted it. Simple question you need to ask. These are questions Americans need to ask. Why are the Democrats boycotting a movie like Sound of Freedom, which is talking about trafficking of children? Because you're part of it. Bah, come on, shit. You're part of it. That's what the whole open borders is about. It's part of trafficking of minors. They just disappear. And these children are abused. You need to understand some of the words in the interviews. When you go to Mexico, they will ask you in Spanish, you want a young boy or a young girl. Trafficking is so open. And children have come through unbelievable abuse. And people have grown physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional, all kinds of abuse. And they are, they need deliverance. They need deliverance. And sometimes that is what, sometimes you have to allow them to cry. Like today, at the end, they were both there. And I said, like, before you go, grandpa has to go, let me pray. And tears were flowing, crying, weeping. Tears were flowing. Because you don't know what they have gone through. And they repress it because they cannot show that. But when they get a set up like that, they cry. They cry. Because emotions come up and you have to allow them to cry. Unconditionally love them. Okay, we are firm. They should never, ever confuse discipline with unlovingness. No. No. We love you unconditionally and we are there for you. And you have to allow those things to come out and let them cry it out. Cry it out. And then say, it's over. It's okay. We will do everything to see that you are never abused. We will put you a safe, safe, safe environment and let God heal you. So sometimes you have to allow it to come and you are healed. That's why these deliverance meetings and all are sometimes very, very powerful healing, because yes. they need healing. There are wounds. And if you go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, this is mm. what Jesus is saying. You know, what has the Spirit of God anointed me for? He was 18, handed, 18. Okay, 18. And then he says, the Spirit of the Lord has un is upon me. Why? He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Oh. Because they receive it first. So that the rich... What is impossible with man is possible with God. Because very difficult to get the rich into the kingdom because of the things they have to give up. Mm. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Brokenness is hidden. Some of the rough people you see is just an outward shell because of the brokenness inside. And you'll be able to see through that. They're broken inside. But they won't show it, so they put a very rough exterior and it needs God's discernment to see through them. And then when you minister, the big, hard, strong man breaks down into tears. And you look at them and says, I saw it. I saw through it. It's just a shell. Inside you are a mess. And they go different. And you will see, that is why when Jesus is looking at the crowds, what is Big men and tall men and women and children. He has compassion because he looks them. You sheep know what? without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. A broken vexed. men and women. 400 years. These are God's people. Israel. 400 years they have not heard the voice of God through man. 400 years of God's silence between Malachi and Matthew. 
400 years of silence. And after 400 years, God is speaking to them through his son. Mm. And he looks at them and he has compassion to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Where are they captives? In their soul. Mm. They're all prisoners in their soul. And recovery of sight to the blind. They are so overwhelmed by their pain and brokenness. They're not able to see. So you can't blame them. When they see, they're seeing through their abuse and they're seeing and know. And sometimes when you look at them, you know, I know the kids used to write to me. Look at them. So they are, they have, they have been abused so much. You know? So that's all they know. So when they see people and they see, react to situations, they are reacting from their background. What they have gone through. You know? It is so. They are blind. They cannot see. Okay? To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is the gospel. And when it comes and further and further and further, we come to the end of the age. Oppression is increasing. It's not decreasing. Abuse is increasing. It's not decreasing. And therefore, we need to be very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how we are dealing with people. Because this is not about preaching a word. It's preaching life to broken people. You know, like Ma went yesterday and she said, you know what, the people who came from Manipur, they are traumatized traumatized. Why? That's what they said. They said some of them cannot sleep because all they can hear is gunshots and fire shooting and houses were burned. They ran and one lady who's around 80 years old was there, walked 20 kilometers before she could escape. And I said, wow, I told the children, I showed them the picture and said, you know how old this lady is? 80 years old. You don't know how many how, how many kilometers she walked? 20. Escape? 20. Said, can you? Can you? <laughs> Okay, I said, be tough, be tough, because these things are there. So they are broken, traumatized. So you know, we do what we can to do. We pray, spiritually we pray, cover them, pray. And then, otherwise, whatever we can do yesterday, whatever we could do, we do. Today we are doing, Monday we are doing, we are doing a lot of stuff for them. They need provisions, they need food. To send to them, they need bandages, they need medicines, they need all kind of stuff. We will do it within our limits. Whatever we can do, we will do. Because you know what? Hmm. There are people who are suffering. They are traumatized. So everywhere you see, there's always this, the gospel. The church has been sent to preach the good news. Because the people are broken. People are broken. You look, you have to, you, when you walk, you have to walk on the road. So when you are driving on the roads, you have to look into the faces of people. Very rarely do you see people who are happy. Everyone looks oppressed. Everyone looks oppressed. They look oppressed. You know? I was going back on, because today I go always, whether it's raining or not, I take my scooter as far as possible. I take. And I was going down that road, you know. I was looking at the daily vendors, so the, the Sabji Mandi, you know, the, who sell the vegetables at 9.30, all in their plastic sheets, standing there. No customers. In the rain, standing there. Hoping somebody would come Hoping by. somebody would come. Looking at them and said, poor people, you know what? This is their life. They have to sell every day. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no money at home. <laughs> 
Okay, got this is products that has been bought, brought and sold. The margin is your life. This will not stay. It will go bad. Just standing in the rain because there are hungry stomachs at home. Okay, and this is a real life. What is your answer to them? Christ, mm. seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things, I'll take care of you. And he says, does a sparrow fall to the ground? Without your father, your father knowing, you worried about your clothes, look at the lilies of the field, Solomon in all his grandeur. So God is telling us the most secure thing you can have in this world is a father. It's a father. Okay, statistics that came out of Britain yesterday. By the time you reach the age of 14, almost every child, the home will be broken. Divorce parents, yeah. By the time you reach the age of, when that tender age of 14, you have entered your teenage, the house is broken. Because house broken means what? That father figure is gone. The father is gone. That father is the one who brings the security. It's not the mother. There are excellent, great mothers who have done great jobs, like whether it is Ben Carson or if you look at their excellent mothers, single mothers who raised them up. But that was not God's format. God's format was the father which brings the security. That's God. And then Jesus is stepping down on earth as the father. That's why he's called the everlasting father. When he looks, he says, this is what I am anointed for, to heal my broken children. And that's what we see. So the question is, God gives, what is salvation? What is the practical effect of salvation? That's what Jesus tells them. I will not leave you orphans. I will come back. But when I come back, it will be as the Holy Spirit, my Father. You will never be orphans again. So the first thing God does with salvation is, you're not an orphan. Fatherhood is restored. You have God as your Father. Look at that portion. They're very powerful verses that would con- should console you all your life. Right? John chapter 14. Okay. Verse 18. 17 and 18. John 14, 17 and 18. These are powerful. The ones who are listening should comfort you. I will have 17, yeah? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him, knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. orphans. I, I will, will come to you. Come to you. And he has come. Mm. The spirit, that's why the spirit of God is the one who calls out Abba. Abba Father. Father. You cannot be an orphan. So any time, even this evening, any time people say that, I will immediately correct them. Even if it's on a fall. No. no. You're not alone. Even if you want to, you cannot be. If you're a child of God, you are never alone. Mm-hmm. Forever. He'll be in you, with you, forever. Can't be an orphan. Reject that thought and confess, I'm not an orphan. I'm a child of God and my father is always with me. Always with me. It doesn't matter where I go. That is what David's Psalm 20 are all are new covenant psalms written by an old covenant man. Mm-hmm. Whether I am in the green pastures, still waters, valley or shadow of death, wilderness, it doesn't matter. You are with me. Where can I, can I hide in hell? If I go to hell and make my head also, you are there. There's no escaping you. I'm yours forever. And you're with me forever. This should be our comfort. It is real. Okay. 
this is the guarantee you are sealed with the holy, with the holy spirit of god promise. yeah promise yes pastor vijay oh boy uh pastor there's another question is uh, question number 4 um how do we stop listening to the enemy we we often hear this we must stop listening to the enemy living the truth sets us free and builds our faith in god how do we do this see there are voices there are voices of the world voices of your past so many voices are there and there is the voice of god there is the voice of god first thing you need to realize if you are a child of god when god speaks he will not condemn you he may convict you he will convict you but he will not condemn you because he is a father he will not condemn his children it's not the voice of condemnation it will be the voice of conviction mm. okay he will convince you he will guide you he will lead you he will convict you he may convict you very deeply but one thing he will not do is that he will not condemn you condemnation means you are not my child he will not condemn you okay even earthly fathers will say that god will not say that god will not say this you are my child forever i saved you i sealed you Okay, so he will not do that. That is one of the first ways to distinguish the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. Even the voice of Satan. You know, when the devil comes and speaks to Jesus, he says, "If you are the Son of God," questioning his father, he said, "He doesn't even answer that part of the question." I know who Son I am. So if the devil starts questioning your salvation, don't even answer him. It doesn't deserve your answer. Don't go that route. So a lot of people call me and say, "You know, I'm doubting my salvation. Why are you doubting your salvation? Did you save yourself, or were you saved by somebody else?" No. So Sophie comes and says, "I'm doubting my adoption. Shut up and sit there because you're my child. <laughs> you adopted me, or I adopted you?" Amen. <laughs> The question is, we adopted him or he adopted us? Amen. We didn't adopt him. He adopted us. <laughs> I had no right to adopt him, but he. in his sovereignty he adopted me and i believe mm-hmm. he adopted me so don't listen to those voices mm-hmm. make sure you are a child of god it's okay mm-hmm. that's fine but you know you are a child of god don't listen to the because that is the how the devil's trick the first trick is the first each of the temptations first temptation mm-hmm. you go there look for mm-hmm. or matthew for whichever <laughs> both are fours yes, yes. Mm-hmm. if you are the son of god okay <laughs> ഫോർട്ട് <laughs> because that's why it's so many people are always so am i am i saved am i saved am i saved am i saved pastor i'm doubting i'm saved i'm who put this doubt in your head <laughs> the tempter the tempter <laughs> that is his job you can't blame him for doing his job okay if you are the son of god command that these stones become bread look at four verse four jesus jesus answered and said let me tell you i am the son of god he didn't answer that no, no, question no, no. at all so you don't you don't take the devil's bait exactly 
He didn't answer that part at all. Mm. Okay, he didn't answer the part at all. Instead, he answered the second part. Mm-hmm. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do you know the second part? He's answered the first part too. He said, yeah. I will tell you who my father is. This is what my father said. Mm. With the answer, he is already rejecting the first part of the question. You know what? God is my father. Mm. And I will go by what he says each time. I'm not going to answer your question. But my answer answers that question. question. Yeah. I know who is my father. I don't have to prove my parent, childhood to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know whose son I am. And therefore I am telling you, I will go by every word that my father speaks, my father speaks. Mm-hmm. have to be very, very careful. Very, very careful with the devil. That is how he, these are the voices of the voices of the devil. Okay, the voice. Okay, we have to vary. The voices are, like I said, though, if you go back to the question, the devil is called the tempter. Okay, one way, the tempter. Okay. Or he's called the accuser. So he has his roles. Either he will tempt you. Or if you don't fall into that temptation, he will accuse you. Okay, he will accuse you. Hmm. He will accu- he'll do all kind of things. Okay? Hmm. He gets frustrated because you don't give in to your temptations. He will accuse you and say you're being very self-righteous. <laughs> <laughs> he will try all. Oh, he, he will double down devil. <laughs> That's why he used the word also with Jesus saying, "No, it is written." He said, "Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. written. Don't quote half the words. Quote the full words. It's also written." Okay, so we have to realize he's got two primary, uh, primary things. One is called tempter. The other is called accuser. Okay. So when it comes to temptation, when it comes to temptation. Like I said, the same temptation, depending upon the voice, its power changes. Mm. Power changes. Okay, so there are voices. Father is a very powerful voice, the most powerful voice in a child's life. Mother is a very powerful voice. Then when the child starts growing up, the pastor's, the teacher's voice, you know, you will see when our children start coming back from school after some time, they said, the teacher said, <laughs> teacher said, another voice. <laughs> then there's a very powerful voice, which is the pastor's voice, very powerful voice, because the child, if it's like a big church, child will look around and says, everybody in the society comes and sits down and listens to that man. Daddy listens, mother listens, SP listens, minister listens, everybody is listening. That's a very powerful voice. Very powerful voice. So that is why the Bible says, don't err behind the pulpit, right, yeah. those who teach, because your voice is like tomorrow if I say drinking is okay. So, it doesn't matter who else says drinking is wrong. <laughs> a lot of young people will make many pastors said it is okay. <laughs> ஆடம் <laughs> <laughs> Okay, using the situation, circumstance and all, the devil put a thought into Sarah's voice, into her mind. She took it as the voice of God. 
because she brings God into the picture mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1. She brings God the into Lord the restrained. picture. The she says, the Lord restrained. Seeing that the Lord restrained. <laughs> Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And verse 2, Sarah said to Abraham, see now the Lord has mm-hmm. restrained me from bearing children. Whose voice? <laughs> It's Sarah's voice, but Sarah is speaking the devil's idea. She brought God in the picture over there and the very powerful voice. Like I said, Abraham has so many people in his household. If anybody else had said this, he would have said no. Mm-hmm. said no. But when Sarah said it, the one person who should have said no, when she said yes, he went with it. He went with it. Okay. So voices are very, very powerful. Now, if you come to Genesis chapter 39, if I'm right, okay, I'm terrible in numbers, okay. Yeah, 30, 39, 39 and uh, verse 7. Now, it came to after these things, his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. It's a very powerful voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a maid servant. Yep. This is his mistress. It's a very powerful voice. It's not only a voice of temptation, it's a voice of power. Both. Voice of temptation and a voice of power. It's a very powerful voice. Okay. So, Joseph will put a twofold answer to that. Look at his answer. Verse 8. 8 and 9. He refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. He says, My master trusts me. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Why did he bring God there? Because he's saying, if tomorrow Master says it's okay, still it is not okay. Because it's a Gentile culture. Hmm. Gentile culture. Where wife swapping was part of the culture. Where the husband may have no issues because he goes with different women, she goes with different men. It's not an issue. That's why he brings... Okay, tomorrow if my master says it is okay, it's still not okay because God is there. And that's no Gentile God. This God is different. It's a Hebrew God. Because Gentile gods have no issues. You need to realize (laughs) how he refutes that voice. Because her voice is very powerful. Because she said, okay, if he takes that last part of that verse, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He takes that, nor has he kept back anything from you but you because you are his wife. few days later, she comes and says, my husband says it is okay. It's okay, exactly. Then he has no answer. Mm. Okay, so you need to realize, to refute any voice, you need the, the standard. The you ultimate go standard. to Psalm 138 and words 2. Mm. You have to exalt the okay. word. Okay, mm. this is where. Ultimate standard. Mm. I'll worship towards your holy temple, praise your name for your loving kindness, your truth, for you have magnified your word above 
all your name because the thing is that god has magnified something god has spoken that's what god has spoken it is settled heaven and earth will pass away dot dot your word is forever settled in heaven so god has spoken so that's where the word is there because different people can come in his name in his name remember the young prophet who died because of a lion god had already spoken to him so that was settled Yeah. an old prophet came and said i am also a prophet the lord also spoke to him also spoke to him god doesn't contradict yes okay so jesus said many will come in my name there is christ there is christ there is christ there is christ he said what have i spoken hmm. what have i spoken okay that is the word that is where we lift this word up about everything else so if you want to deal with voices you have to deal with the way jesus dealt with because what is written how did he deal with the voice he said it is written this is what god has said about this situation so god doesn't change his word is forever settled so i don't care who is speaking you are my mistress i am your husband slave i am your slave but when it comes to this Say no, it's a no, no, because mm. you are. I'm accountable to you only for my body, but I'm accountable to him for my soul. The last thing you can do is throw me my body into prison, but there is somebody else who can throw both my body and soul into everlasting fire. I'm accountable to him. So Jesus said, "Fear him. Don't fear him. Who can finish your body off? Fear him." So that is where it comes ultimately it comes oh, so when wow. it comes to voices there are voices okay voices there is the voice of god we're talking about the voice of god the voice of god is the spirit of the word not the letter the letter kills you have to be very very careful the letter kills the spirit that's why the holy spirit has been given to us and the written word has been given to us the written word the spirit in us and the model of jesus christ has paul them direct principle say the triangle three things okay one is the word of god first comes the word in the beginning was the word then comes the spirit what does the spirit say about this and third is does it agree with the person because even if two are sometimes you look at us agree with the person of christ when you have these three together you are settled you got the truth hmm. you got that is why jesus has come he says i have come to show you the father so we have a written we have a spiritual and we have a paradigm the paradigm is jesus so even when one and two is agreeing still there is a doubt in your heart and it says but jesus 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 this is not how jesus did stop fitting because maybe you are not ready your character is still not conformed to the image of christ jesus wait and when it is christ do it then you will be doing it as jesus did it you are right in the word you got the word right you are right in the spirit but you are not right <laughs> the vessel is not right <laughs> vessel is not right so joseph is right joseph has got the spirit joseph has got the word but joseph is not ready he has to be ready only at 30 to take over because mm-hmm. when he's at 30 he takes over now what is coming out is the life of christ is oh. he's imaging christ there but he's not ready at 29 he's got the word he's got the spirit but he's not ready yet he's not ready yet because 
you have to represent Christ. You have to be a true witness. So these three things have to come in. God is bringing us to that point. And then he says on that day, you can reign with me because you're all exactly like me. Like father, like son. I think that paradigm is there for even Elijah. It says ultimately when he lives with the widow and then she says, you know what? Now I know that the the word word. of God in your mouth is But he's still not Not ready. ready. He's still not ready. Okay, still not ready. That's why he has to go through 18, another 18 years. Mm. Even Elijah is changing. Mm. He's not ready. He runs. Mm. He he quits. He's still not. He's ready. For Carmel. He's more like a young man who's got the word in him and is able to overcome the powers of darkness. Mm. But after that, he falls apart. He falls apart. God Mm. says, you know what? You need fellowship. Mm. This is why isolation was never God's plan. Isolation will ruin us. You cannot be isolated because man was never meant to live in isolation. So that's why he gives him Elijah and says, walk with him, enter him. (laughs) And he changes over 18 years. And now the king sends his soldiers, he's able to call fire from above. He's able to deal. Yet he's able to treat a kid just like his own son and brings him up. And then when he goes, he cries, my father, my father. And he goes, and Elisha is ready. Mm. He has been mentored and ready. And they are able to realize the spirit of Elijah is resting upon him. So God takes you through the process. How much, how much time you need depends upon each person. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's decide. 13 years was for Joseph, uh, 18 years of Elisha, 40 years for Moses, depending upon the task too. It mm-hmm. also dis- depends upon the task. What is the task that you have to do? David's task was to shepherd God's people, a king to become a shepherd. Moses was a king. A shepherd to become king was uh, David. King to become shepherd was Moses. So it took 40 years because he began as a king. So it took 40 years to make him into a shepherd. This guy began as a shepherd, so it took only 15 years. About 14 years and he's ready to become king. Okay, so depending upon what your task is, there's a task. But everybody, whether you like it or not, is being conformed to one image. There's only Mm. one image. There's no two images. The image is Christ. Mm. All whom he has predestined confirmed to the image of Christ Jesus. So don't get desperate, don't get discouraged. I'm on the road, I'm on the process. So mm. thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I will not listen to those voices. I will listen to your voice of conviction. I will not listen to any condemnatory voice. I will reject it because it is written, Who is that he condemns? Because it is Christ who justifies conviction. I will listen to it. Even if it's a slight this thing, I will learn to be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach me, teach me, teach me, Lord. Teach me to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is like a dove. So we have to be very, very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the thing. Our, our our spirits have to be very, very sensitive. Learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because but he will not condemn. He will yeah. convict. Okay, please don't get it right. Mm. Go back to that question once again. You know? So the <coughs> truth sets us free and builds our faith. Like yeah. a truth, like I said, it is three things. Then only you capture the mm. truth. When you're talking about truth, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the word, the truth, and the truth of the word is the truth. Like I said, no, these are all true. But these three things have to come. The word of God, the spirit of God, and the life of Christ. When three things come, you capture the truth. 
So if you look at ultimately, you look at Joseph, you know Joseph's life, you look at Joseph dealing with his brothers, that whole chapters, you're dealing with his brother, you capture the truth. He will not budge from righteousness. He will act to be very, very tough, but inside he loves them. And he goes inside a couple of times to weep. So you know his heart and you know it's one man. He will not bend the righteousness of God, but his intention all is the salvation of his brothers. You know he's captured Christ. So Joseph is the paradigm in the book of Genesis of Christ. Though you have all these patriarchs and 50 chapters from Genesis 37 to 50, mm -hmm. it is about Joseph. With one chapter, Judah and Tamar is put in there specifically because it is out of Judah Christ will come. So how is Tamar going to birth these twins? Perez is given there specifically because ultimately <coughs> tracking the history of Jesus Christ. Yes. So Judah and Tamar has to come in chapter 38 because it's about Christ. It's not about Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph is just a representative image type. of type, type of Christ. So we have to be very careful when we are reading the whole Bible. Who we are seeing is Christ in various. That's what Peter will say. The spirit of Christ mm -hmm. was in them. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, we call it a day. Yes, yes, or a night rather. <laughs> okay. Yes, many questions from different parts yes, of the world. Actually. Yes. Next week we we have plenty of questions. So, so next week we will look. I'm not there on a Saturday. We will record it early, and uh, we will. It still will be the questions which are unanswered. So we have to fix a day, which day, maybe on a Tuesday or a Tuesday, Pastor Vijay has a meeting. One of those days we will do it. On Monday we can do it. Few days to, yeah. Monday we can do it. Yeah, we can do it on Monday. Monday. Evening we can finish it off. Yeah, we can finish it off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because we have so many questions anyway. Yes, so anyway. Mm -hmm. it's, everybody has heard it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was not meant to be heard, but you heard it anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for giving us this day, Lord. To showing us, for showing us the heart of the Father. That in all our failures, O oh Lord, you still are there for us and not against us. You still want all of us to succeed and be overcomers, notwithstanding the sins that we have committed against you, our unbelief, our stubbornness and our rebellion. You overlook our faults, and you give us another chance. We thank you, Lord, that we have the spirit which cries in each one of us, Abba, Father. For not, for God has not given us a spirit of bondage that brings us back to fear, but given us a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We just want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for reinforcing the truths in all these settings, O oh Lord, in different, different settings, O oh Lord. You are reinforcing the truths that they become part of our inner man, become we that become strong in our convictions, that we'll be able to face these last days without fear, O oh Lord, not compromising on the standards that you have set before us, because that they have become a part of our inner man and our nature. Thank you, Lord. Write your loss by the Spirit of the Living God in the deepmost parts of our inner man and cause us to walk in your ways. Thank you. We praise you for this time. We give you glory, and even as we Finish this day and we pre prepare ourselves for the last final Sunday of this seventh month of this new year. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us grace, that we will be found in the house of the Lord on time. And that, Lord, that we will receive from you, that we will worship you, that we will be prepared, O oh Lord, in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, just not to come to...
as a, as a ritual, oh Lord. But Lord, that we, every opportunity that you give to us to worship, we take it as an opportunity that is once and for all and will never repeat, will never be repeated again. And therefore, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you grant us all the opportunity to gather in your house on time. And Lord, receive from you and prepare ourselves continuously for your coming. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you.